Hello and welcome to Yumi and the Economy. The age-old tussle between profit and the people continues with the war and the sanctions. On one hand, we have struggles that are trying to form frameworks to align people's right with the institutions. On the other hand, we see a continuous dilution of the same. Here is your weekly roundup of economy and finance. After the United Nations Human Rights Office of the High Commissioner came out with a path-breaking report on remedying development finance, the Center for Environmental Law has come up with a new publication titled Remedying Harm – Lessons from International Law for Development Finance. It presents examples and lessons learned from the field of international human rights law that can help institutions establish rights-based frameworks for redress. The report examines various contours of the term remedy and tries to provide some background to human rights law and its centrality to the subfield of business and human rights. The report also elaborates on the distinction between the procedural and substantive elements of remedy while delving into a deeper discussion on the substantive elements. This can be a worthwhile resource for people looking at similar issues at the intersection of finance and international human rights law. The UN Climate Conference or COP27 is happening this year in Africa, and foreign ministers from the European Union have detailed their priorities for climate diplomacy for 2022. This priority statement helps us understand the level of EU ambition and the direction the bloc will take in various negotiating spheres throughout the year. It is a key opportunity to build trust and demonstrate the EU's commitment to ensuring that all countries have the capacity to tackle climate change. In addition to highlighting the impact of the climate crisis, this version also emphasizes human rights as a vital component. However, the iteration falls terribly short on multiple fronts. Firstly, the priorities list existing finance goals that should have been met in 2020. All existing EU goals should be met now and surpassed as soon as possible. Secondly, the EU promotes publicly backed private finance as the panacea for achieving the sustainable development goals, even though this approach has already failed to achieve them. Thirdly, there is still a lot more to do to ensure that there is more democratic ownership of climate finance strategies so they work for climate vulnerable nations. Are ESG investments aiding human rights abuses in Myanmar? The ESG framework emerged as a result of years of struggle by democratic forces, environmental, human rights and indigenous rights groups. Investing should adhere to some fundamental criteria so that our money does not end up destroying the environment, livelihoods or aiding authoritarian regimes and cross human rights violations. The study by Inclusive Development International shows that billions of dollars with ESG branding were in fact funneled to corporations supporting Myanmar military junta. This junta has committed the most serious human rights violations against the Rohingyas in the recent years, as well as has been crushing democratic spaces ruthlessly. As a result of a request by the junta, 33 of the companies working with it have nearly $13.4 billion worth of shares carrying the ESG label. As it turns out, Norway's Sovereign Wealth Fund, which amounts to $1.3 trillion, has blacklisted Adani ports for being involved in building a junta port terminal. Even after saying that they would be withdrawing from the upper project, it seems they are unsure of letting human rights violations detract them from path of profits. On ESG's back home, SEBI had come out with a consultation on the proposed regulatory framework to regulate ESG rating providers. 
Financial Accountability Network India along with nearly 40 other groups unions and civil society organizations has responded to it. This critique questioned changes that make it easier for companies to greenwash their investments. The proposal does not intend to establish a standard methodology or define criteria on which ERPs can assess companies. There is a serious need to question the framework itself rather than accepting it as given and create regulations based on current framework. You can read the Fan India response in the link below. Amidst all this, there are reports that a reliance-funded firm spread fake and distorted news using legal loopholes to aid BJP's election propaganda. Using legal loopholes, a platform called New Emerging World of Journalism Limited or News, a subsidiary of Ambani-owned Geo Platforms Limited, is pushing fake and distorted information dressed as news items to thousands of viewers. One such instance for example was an advertisement in the grab of news claiming that Pragya Singh Thakur had been acquitted of the Maligaon blast case around the same time when she was vying for BJP nomination There were many such instances like this that helped the BJP in fueling anti-Muslim sentiments and in spreading misinformation It shows the deep and nefarious ways in which financial giants like Ambani's have aided and abetted in chipping away the democratic ethos and principles in our election process Thank you for listening to this episode. That is all for this week. We'll meet you next week. Until then, keep listening to Yumi and the Economy.